Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. I want to talk today about Daniel chapter 3. And I've entitled my sermon, God Delivers. As we look at the, the verses today, God does something absolutely amazing. God delivers some men in the most unexpected way, a way that no one would have believed or could even believe some to this day still don't believe it. But I want us to, to look into this and you could be asking yourself, what could this book that was written some 2,600 years ago uh, have anything to do with me today? How could it be relevant? But we find actually that it's extremely relevant for both today and the days ahead. Some theologians believe that between chapter 2 and chapter 3, approximately 20 years has passed. Uh, So we want to look at this, and I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible, to read along. If you are taking notes, if you have your tablet, Bible on your phone, I just want to pray before we get started. God, I just thank you for today, and I just ask that as we look at, as we open, and as we share your word, by your Holy Spirit, that you this bring that, that you just illuminate that to us, God, as, as to what your word is saying to us. I pray that, that we're open, God, that our minds are teachable, that our hearts are open, that we're willing to listen as well as obey. God, have your way. Let your word speak to us. And I pray that we are encouraged and strengthened, that we're challenged, we're exhorted by your word. In Jesus' name. Warren Wearsby says this, and the most uh, common theme throughout this chapter is, is faith and the faith of these men. But, but this is the quote, The devil tempts us to destroy our faith, but God tests us to develop our faith, because a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. And so in chapter 3 of Daniel, we find the king giving a decree that everyone must worship the image that he has set up. It isn't just a formality, but a total allegiance and worship of this image. The faith of these men in this uh, chapter are put to the test. And he set it up on the plain of Jorah in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. I always look back at this and think that for the the scribe writing all of these lists down, it's even hard to say them, let alone to write them down each time that these lists come. Verse 3, Then the satraps, the prefects and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And so, Sometimes as we're reading the scriptures, we want to place ourselves or think of ourselves or envision maybe what's going on in this. And so there's everyone is gathered in mass and they're before this image, standing before this image that the king had set up. And for his own reasons that we're not told, the king decides to make this huge statue and he commands everyone to bow down to it, pledging allegiance, as it were, 
to the king who thinks that he is a god. Verse 4. And then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nation, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the harp, and for our Scottish friends, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. Verse 6, But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. So what we're looking at here is more than a political assembly. This isn't just heads of state doing their military routines. This is a religious service. And they're calling on total worship of the people. They are warned, and it's put pretty simple. When you hear the music, you bow down. If you don't bow down, you're going to be cast into a furnace. So bow down, music, bow down, live. Music, don't bow down, death. The Babylonians were used to worshiping and bowing down to many gods. So the command was easy for them to obey. For many, it's easier to just go along with the crowd. And many today choose that route. I don't want to make any waves. I'll go along with the crowd. They reason everyone is doing it. Maybe you've heard people use that expression. Everyone is doing it. Why can't I? What's the harm, you know? Do we have faith to stand when everyone else, when everyone else bows? Do we have faith to stand? Verse 7, Therefore at that time, when all the peoples heard the sound, and I'll just say the music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language, so multitudes, fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the harp, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, um, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He, they even name the men. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. See, here's the problem for these three Jewish men. They believed in the commandment of God. And therefore, they believed God rather than men, as it even says in the New Testament. And this is what God had commanded. In Exodus 20, verses 3 and verse 5, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them. So they know the commandment of God to not bow down to other gods or to have any other gods before our God. 
again quoting Warren Wearsby, faith means obeying God, regardless of the feelings within us, the circumstances around us, or the consequences before us. We need to obey God. Continuing on verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar became in a rage and anger, and he gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you not, do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? He must have found favor in these guys because he didn't just take the word of all these that are accusing them, but he actually brings them before himself and questions them directly. And he actually, which history says this king wasn't kind with second chances, so, but he actually looks to give them a second chance and gives them, and he, he gives them another chance to bow down. Verse 15, if you're ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the music, you'll fall down and worship the image that I have made. That'll be very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And here's the question. What God, little g, is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Now that's thinking pretty highly of himself. He apparently can have life and death in his hands. And so he asks them, what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? In fact, in the next coming chapters, Nebuchadnezzar will soon be reintroduced to the Most High God. He had had good things to say about God in chapter 2. In fact, he had quickly forgotten the dream and interpretation that only the Most High God could give. Remember, there weren't any of the Babylonian gods who could not only give the dream nor the interpretation. And for us, if we're not careful, we too can forget the mighty things that God has done in our lives. Let us remember well the times and things that God has done in our lives. True faith is not intimidated by threats, crowds, or superstition. Let us have faith in our God. Continuing on verse 16. And I know I have a lot of scripture that I'm reading, but I don't even want to, to even, I, I want it to just speak to us itself. So verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Our God does not need defended. A lot of times people really get into even Facebook arguments trying to defend God, but God does not need defended. Note what these guys did. They answer respectfully. They are not arrogant, nor are they ugly. They use careful words. They trust in God, 
and they have faith in God, but they don't give into or or use presumption. They didn't say that God will save them. Rather, they said that God is able to deliver them, highlighting that if it's God's will and plan, remember, God can do anything. Faith rests in the commands and promises of God, not in arguments or explanations. In Matthew 4, verse 9, when Satan met Jesus in the wilderness, he said to him, If you will but bow down to me just once. That's what he wanted Jesus to do. Bow down to me just once. Thankfully, Jesus refused. But bowing the knee can ruin your testimony. It can ruin your witness for Christ. And unfortunately, can make bowing the knee easier in the future. Like a raft on the ocean in that current slowly drifts it further and further from the shore, gentle current, you can compromise, bow your knee, and find it easier to do again. We need to have faith in God. Verse 19, Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath, and his facial expression was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it's usually heated. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up the guys in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. And then these men were tied up with their trousers. I use my bit of Scottish. Their coats, their hats, and their other clothes So the strongest soldiers tied them up. They weren't playing about. They tied them up and cast them into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of fire slew the men who carried them up. But the three men fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire still tied up. So again, imagine either you're a spectator there or you're part of this and you see these strong soldiers tie them up. And as they're taking them to throw them into the furnace, it's so hot that they burn up. Verse 24, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and he stood up in haste. And he said to his high officials, Was it not three men that we cast bound into the midst of the fire? And they replied, Certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace and he responded and he said, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, come out, you servants of the most high God and come here. Then they came up out of the midst of the fire. All the officials and everyone present gathered around them and saw in regard to these men that, and check this out, the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair on their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had even the smell of fire come upon them. This is astounding. I've been uh, barbecuing in the back garden with the weather being nice and 
I'm out there just making my my burgers and whatnot, but I get smelling like fire. I feel like I was out camping, and these guys don't even have the smell of smoke on themselves. That's just absolutely amazing. Continuing on, verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as to not serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap. Inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way, then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. Absolutely amazing. Unexpected result. No one would have believed or predicted that they would not be burned up in the fire. Most people have heard of this story. They, they um, may not know the context that it's in, or even where in the Bible it is, but many have heard about the story of the three men in the fiery furnace. They trusted in God, and they left the consequences in God's hands. Things were about as bad as they could be for these Jewish men. They were held in captivity, taken to Babylon against their will. But even in the midst of all of this stuff that was going on that was so bad, here's God at work. And not only is God at work, God is is showing himself to the Babylonians of how mighty that he is. And so you could ask maybe, what does this mean for our time What does it mean today or in our future? So not only is there the book of Daniel, but the Apostle John tells us what is to come in the future for us. And the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation are prophetic books and talk about even things to the end. And I want us to look at Revelation 13 verse 11 through 18. And again, it's I know today I have a lot of scripture and hopefully you're reading along, but please bear with me. I want us to see what God says. And then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who had a wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, small and great, the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man. 
and his number is 666. And so there's going to come a time in the future where there's an image set up and we are going to be, the inhabitants of the earth are going to be commanded to worship this image of the beast. And so we have this book of Daniel, an image, an image is set up and they're told to worship it. And then in the future, there's going to be an image of a beast that is set up and the people of the earth are going to be commanded to bow down to it. So day after day, the herald shouts to us today, as in Daniel's day, fall down before the image, worship the idol. Everyone is doing it. As the end of this age draws near, the furnace of opposition is growing seven times hotter. We could just see the persecution on the rise. The opposition is growing hotter and hotter. The book of Daniel is a great source of encouragement because it reminds us how God cares for his people and honors them when they stay faithful to him. God says this in 1 Samuel 2.30, Them that honor me, I will honor. Friends, let us stand firm, even if everyone around us would bow down. I'm bringing this to a close today and want to leave with some thoughts from the Apostle Paul. He says in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and again, those of you that are saying, oh, you have so much scripture to read, but please just bear with me. Paul says, finally, and maybe some of you are saying, finally, finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might, not in your own might, in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you would be able to Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, Paul says, stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in mind, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Friends, let us persevere to the end, through the end. God is with us, and He is faithful to the end. Let us stand with Him and bow down only to Him. Our God is trustworthy and true. Our God delivers And he delivers miraculously. Our God is absolutely amazing. I just want to pray real quick. If you have never accepted Christ, there's a little thing on there. You could raise your hand and say, I would like to receive Christ. We have material that we can get to you if you want to give your life to Christ. But I just want to pray. 
God, I just thank you for your word. And as we're looking at Daniel, this man was so, the angel even said of Daniel, he's so highly esteemed. And God, he is just amazing the things that he got to see and, and be part of in his life. God, you even showed him the future, even all the way to the end. And God, so for us today, what do we do? God, well, I pray today that we even this day would make the decision that even if everybody decides to bow, God, I will stand firm. I will stand on your commandments and I trust in you. God, I believe in you. God, that you are faithful and true and you are the one that I stand with and that I bow for. And I pray that we would make that decision today in our heart. And God, I don't know what will happen in the future. But God, I pray, God, our future is in your hands. And I pray that we would have the courage and the boldness to stand when everyone bows. But God, I pray that we would yield and bow our heart and our knee to you. God, you said that one day every knee will bow before you and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God, we choose to do that now. We yield to you and we give you glory and honor and praise. Amen. Church family, just want to thank you. Again, Pastor Gordon, for giving me an opportunity to share today. We want to just continue to thank you for your faithful giving you to the listening. work of the Lord. Please tune in next we just pray week that your day is blessed, message. that you're challenged, you're in the that East you Lothian are area, encouraged, you're exhorted. HaddingtonElamChurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.